0: What I didn't want was to become a Netflix for art. Um, We really should have a point of view, and we should really create a context for audiences in how and why they're experiencing a work of
1: art. Hello, and welcome to Art Goes On, a podcast featuring art people on how they keep the art world running. Here, they will share their vision of the present and a glimpse of the future. I'm your host, Pierre de Montesquieu, recording from Paris, France, so please, pardon my English. Before we start, as we try to make this show interactive, here's a quick reminder to follow our Instagram account, at AskArtGoesOn, where you'll be able to ask questions to upcoming guests. Now, on to today's show. Today, my guest is Rajendra Roy. Chief Curator of Film at the MoMA, New York. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. So, Raj, how art is going for you? Well, art is
0: ever more essential, I would say, um, even as it's facing an existential crisis in terms of being able to experience art together, um, I think if we did not have art uh, as part of our culture, as part of our society we would be even more lost and even more lonely right now. So it's a great comfort um, to be immersed in art, even if it's from a distance from others. Um, I, especially with cinema, um, prefer to experience that art form collectively, right? I I have lived (laughs) many lives and certainly my entire professional life to make sure that, we can all gather um, to celebrate the great works of cinema um, in a theater and um, that loss is very painful now um, and honestly um, has gone from terrifying to um, very motivational to try and get back into the cinemas as soon as possible. But the biggest comfort is knowing that we have over a hundred years of, of great works to celebrate together and, and that's really been uh, again
1: the best comfort. The MoMA has embraced digital for many years offering a huge amount of content online they've recently launched virtual views and communicated through the hashtag Museum for Home does the museum discover something new on how to address the public in this situation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our digital efforts are many years in the planning and, and um, our MoMA magazine, which is our online portal through the, through the website, has been active for many years. But obviously, in this moment, it's become vital, right? It's become the critical link to our many publics. And I think the most important for me is that we maintain some sort of authenticity. MoMA, you know, there was so much pressure. Well, you should just stream every movie in the collection. You should make available every work of art in the collection. And, and honestly, many of them are available um, either through MoMA's website or through other streaming sites. But what I didn't want was to become a Netflix for art. Um, we really should have a point of view and we should really create a context for audiences in how and why they're experiencing a work of art. Um, And I I have to say I'm quite proud of what we've been able to put out so far through our new virtual views program It's not just Hey, look at all this art. It's let's look together at this very specific either artist or group of uh, work um, and experience that in a new way and hopefully enliven a conversation so You know, again, everybody wanted to get things out virtually um, and stream as much as possible. I think for MoMA, it was more important to try and stay a bit authentic to our mission and to what people might experience if they were able to come to the actual museum right now.
1: You have an online programmation of live Q&As. How people are responding to it?
0: you know it's it's been wonderful and it's really grown in interest uh we i <laughs> i did the first new one uh, uh just over a month ago with our home movie show and it was a small audience and you know it was almost like a a fireside chat like a very intimate chat between a colleague who i hadn't seen in a few weeks and um you know the hundreds of people that join now we have thousands of people joining every week and i think that there is just uh, an indication of how Hungry people are for interesting, relatable conversation about something other than this damn disease. You know, there there really is um, an interest in art and art making, and um, and I think that uh, we've been really pleased with that ability to connect with our with our audiences.
1: And do you think it opened things to a new public you were not addressing before?
0: Well. What it certainly has done is make sure that in a moment when tourism is not a possibility and the return to you know, a robust tourist um, visitation in New York City, for example, is quite far off, probably. Um, that we are still able to reach every corner of the world. And that's been something remarkable to notice is that our online visitation, especially for the conversations has been truly global, so we can tell in real time that there are people from Australia and Italy and you know Spain and South america um, and you know across uh, the United States are all joining simultaneously and so that that ability to connect across borders um, is really gratifying and and in a way a relief that we haven 't all just retreated to our corners, even though we 're all staying home, which um, we, we must do, we are also really eager to connect with people from around the world. And if art can be that gathering place, um, uh, very happy for that to be the case. I mean, for MoMA, more than 70% of our visitation uh, annually is international guests, people who are not local. Um, our cinema audiences are very local, which I'm very proud of, I love our New Yorkers. But, um, you know, most of our visitors are from outside of the U.S. And again, that's going to take a long time to to come back. So if we can maintain contact with people, um, I think the, the digital uh, sphere for us will become even more important.
1: Did MoMA have the opportunity to try new stuff that they never had time to do before?
0: This new push to connect digitally has uh, really been an opportunity for the teams that have been focused on this, but it's pushed people who have never, ever worked in a digital realm. Many of my colleagues, my curatorial colleagues, who have never held a um, digital chat or you know uh, tried to do a Zoom meeting, for example, um, that has certainly pushed them. And I think there will be a comfort level. It's been painful. It's been very difficult <laughs> um, convincing some colleagues that this is a worthwhile thing to do, but once they've done it, I think they, they have agreed that it, it is actually very reassuring to know that it's still possible to connect. So um, maybe that's the biggest surprise for all of us is that it's even convinced the most conservative of our colleagues that this, is, uh, this new digital realm is essential.
1: Okay, so this is something you're going to implement uh, once you reopen?
0: we definitely understand that this is the the new reality that we will have even when we are able to reopen which hopefully will be um you know at some point later in the summer our digital presence will continue so it's not like when the doors reopen the digital retracts or retreats we will maintain two courses um they will be parallel and and will each will provide unique opportunities i mean. I think right now, most of our exhibition, digital exhibitions have been related to exhibitions that either were on view or would be on view at MoMA right now. But very shortly, you'll have brand new exhibitions created only for the digital realm that would not be possible in a traditional gallery setting or in a traditional cinema. So that new era, I think, will be very exciting as well, um, that you'll have both the traditional analog let's say gallery and cinema experience and then you'll have the brand new digital experience will be which will be totally totally different
1: did you already discuss different reopening options
0: we are very much in that process and the the great thing in a way although new york has suffered terribly um, perhaps more than any uh, major western uh, capital or center um, we also will have the benefit of learning from what is happening in asia as those museums reopen and then in europe as your museums open um, so we won't have to invent this um, and we are paying very close attention to what's happening there and also taking into account um, the differences with an institution like moma which had 3 million visitors a year when we you know were, mm. were last open so Um, obviously it won't be that but how do you operate a building that's so big and so used to having so many people when that won't be possible Um, in a way i see the cinemas as a more straightforward challenge it will be a huge challenge but the seating will be assigned and you can keep people apart because the seats are fixed and you're not moving around the cinema like you're walking around a gallery but all of this will require um, great planning and and it's already underway and and again we're learning from all of our colleagues around the world.
1: You've been talking about the mission of MoMA to offer a curated uh, experience. How did the Department of Film play a role in that since the reopening after the renovation?
0: The thing that was truly new when we reopened um, in last October was that every medium, every art practice that MoMA had focused on for the last nearly 90 years was included in the history of modernism in our galleries, meaning when you visit um, you will start chronologically at the uh, end of the 19th century if you choose to start at the beginning Um, and you will see alongside um, the earliest examples of modernist painting, earliest examples of early photography and film and design etc. So the new thing for for film was to be basically everywhere in the museum so not only in our cinemas but also in our galleries and uh everyone immediately in a way recognized how essential that was because to get a true picture of what modernism is you can't keep out the the original modern art forms right photography and film the reproducible image and the motion picture so um One of the things I miss the most is those early galleries where you have um, films from the origin of our medium playing alongside Van Gogh and Cezanne and the acknowledged great masters of modernism and introducing uh, those cinematic voices to that early period. And that continues, of course, through the history of, of MoMA's display
1: of modernism. Currently, you have a home movie exhibition do you think that you're the lucky department of MoMA since you have a medium that fits perfectly the screens?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I I do remind my team often that, as as painful as this moment is, truly for our field, you know, um, uh, people are wondering if ever anyone will ever go back into the theater. The great thing is everybody's watching movies now, right? So at MoMA, our yes, our artwork can be easily uh, consumed. Over, over the internet, um, but I'm actually really looking forward also to the moment when people can go back in, obviously to watch a film together, but to be in the galleries where the home movie show, which did seem, it seems to me anyway, translated very well to the digital realm. People can go back and also experience that exhibition again in real life, in a physical space. And in a way, I think it will have new life. Um, and those pers- very personal stories that are captured on amateur films will feel even more precious, um, both because we will have lost so many lives, but also because they will have endured, you know, they will have um, made it through that period. And um, so, yeah, I think we're all looking very much forward to revisiting our friends who are silent and dark in the galleries now, but
1: will come back to life when we when we return. And how did you build the home movie show, considering our digitized era? So this was
0: an, an example of um, uh, translating a, a pre-digital art form, right? So home, we really focused on the pre-video era of home movies. So super eight film, eight uh, millimeter film, 16 millimeter film for, for the most part. Um, and all of that material had to be scanned and digitized. So, in a way, again, this exhibition was perfectly um, primed for uh, digital presentation because in order to even show the material, we already had to transfer it to a digital format. And I think that that will be on people's consciousness even more now. It was a bit of a battle as we were planning for the reopening of MoMA to help our colleagues who maybe were sculpture curators or drawings curators, for example, when they wanted to include a film in their gallery, which we were very happy about and wanted to help them, but to help them understand, even though it was in MoMA's collection, even though we had a film print of Playtime by Jacques Tati, for example, that didn't mean we had a digital version of that. And in order to get from the film print that we had to the digital version they would need for a display in the gallery, there's a big process. And what that process involves is very technical, very expensive, very time consuming. And so I think maybe this will help everyone understand now how critical the, the transfer of analog art forms to digital is in this, in this new era. And it won't just be the film preservationists and archivists who are focusing on the challenges of digital preservation. It will be a more global kind of uh, attention to those, those types of challenges.
1: And you have made available online celebrities home videos as well as family movies.
0: Exactly, I mean, I think that, you know, what's, what was critical for us with that <laughs> exhibition specifically, and I think especially now is, you know, not to forget that there are miraculous stories in normal life as well. And, uh, Times like these really make us remember the things that we miss when we can't live what we thought was a normal life. This is um, something, you know, like birthday parties or weddings mm-hmm. uh, or bar mitzvahs or whatever it is that was always filmed in the same way, seemingly very um, banal. Uh, and now we see, realize how precious those, those times are and how easily they can be taken away. So, yeah, it's not just, I mean, obviously, Charlie Chaplin and Salvador Dali doing dances in their gardens is, is wonderful and, and brings smiles to every face. But also those moments, um, very, very intimate family moments uh, are something that we are cherishing right now.
1: You've made an open call online for testimonies. Did anyone recognize something familiar in those videos?
0: You know, plenty of people have, have been inspired to go through their own attics or closets or basements and look for those materials and look for those memories uh, contained on the films. I don't think we've had any, what we would call a Zapruder moment, right? So those have, home movies have now created history um, by the, the kind of discoveries contained in them. But it's not too late. I'm sure that will also continue to happen.
1: You are a lot in contact with people in the film industry. Mm. What is the state of mind out there?
0: Everybody wants to get back to work. I've, I've heard stories of people actually making entire feature films on Zoom uh, through Zoom chats. And there's uh, this new rediscovery of multi-screen um, narratives. So you can tell stories through different, not just one frame, but multiple frames. So I think there will be some new invention that comes out of this period, uh, hopefully interesting, a lot of probably totally uninteresting, but uh, that's, that's normal when, when things evolve. And I think most of all, people just, you know, those of us who run cinemas, who run theaters, our biggest concern is making sure that that experience does not, doesn't die now, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, of course, it's proven that people will watch films from home on any device. And we, we knew that before this, and now it's 100% for sure. And so, the industry, as soon as people can go back to work making new films, they will, because we know people will consume them, they will, they will be engaged uh, in whatever manner. But mm-hmm. we have to fight very hard to make sure that the theaters, theatrical presentation survives this moment. And so, many of us are working very hard not only to support the cinemas while they're closed and everyone who works in cinemas um, and is out of work now but then making sure that we're all strong enough as many of us some won't survive sadly but those of us that are strong enough to survive that we're ready and welcoming to audiences as soon as it's safe
1: as a lot of movies have been postponed is there a fear of overload after the lockdown
0: everybody i've spoken to wants to spend 10 hours a day watching every new film they can in a cinema so i mean i think the bigger challenge will be getting getting our capacity up and getting the 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 cinemas safe enough to accommodate as many people as will be desperately interested to get back into them and you know i think the studios and the the distributors will will have to pace you know themselves they will they will do that out of self-interest anyway because the interest is in making money and if the, the, the rooms are overcrowded or if there's not enough screens, then they'll have to wait. But, um, you know, and there will be, you know, this, this period of no production. So, you know, hopefully there's a balance. So by the time we get back to an era where new films have been able to be made and, and are ready for um, distribution, things have been paced out of what's waiting to be distributed.
1: Is there an answer to the debate between the streaming experience and the theater experience?
0: If I had the answer, first I would tell Thierry Frémaux because uh, he feels, I feel like he, Portier is always on the forefront of this battle, um, <laughs> trying to navigate the, the forces of um, uh, digital progress and uh, cinema culture. But no, in seriousness, I think, you know, obviously, there's no escaping the netflix reality right and i mean that not specifically for that one company but the streaming reality let's say but at the same time there is something very essential about gathering together to experience an art form it's it's a it's a, an essential human experience and that goes back you know to <laughs> ancient greece and you know coming to an amphitheater to to watch uh, live theater So that won't go away and we just all have to be smart and level-headed about it. I don't think there's any winning or losing other than if we lose the experience of collective viewing, then something will really have been lost from from human culture.
1: Galleries, fairs, auction houses, or even artists in the traditional visual art, gather to show or even to sell work through viewing rooms. Have you heard about such an initiative in the movie industry?
0: Yeah, I mean there's actually a lot of um efforts to support both independent film and independent art house cinemas, at least in the US where a film will be released digitally and part of the profits, if there are some, from that release will also benefit the theater that would have shown the film. So, I think this is a it's a very interesting concept. I know it's just early days still. But that might be something that moves on. So you have a choice. You could go and see it at your local um, cinema or you can watch it online. But either way, the cinema will be supported by the, by the release of the film. So people are inventing, people are trying new things. And I think um, in the end, as long as uh, there's a balance and as long as the, the theaters survive, um, I'm in favor of, of whatever works.
1: Now, were you surprised by any particular behavior or uh, practice by the art world otherwise?
0: The surprising th- thing is the fact that people haven't just retreated, um, that there, there is this now movement to really get to work and to be inventive. I mean, it, it's part of the nature of the pioneer effort that artists have always had, right? They're, they're always the first ones out there trying new things. But honestly, the challenge is so so great. Just think of all the artists who had gallery exhibitions planned um, in this period that are just—it's not possible. Um, think of all the the filmmakers who had films ready for release, um, and all of the the kids who were in university studying to enter a field that basically doesn't exist right now. And none of these people, to my knowledge, has given up. I mean, yes, there are moments where you're you're really depressed, and the challenge seems too great, but the spirit to, to survive and continue is, is stronger. Um, and I think that that has been the best surprise.
1: To move on to the last part of the show and to start with the questions from our audience, Maximilian is interested in Nathaniel Dorski's work. Okay. And he wants to know if you plan to digitize more of his work as you did with 17 Reasons Why, and if it will be accessible to the public.
0: Well, it's an excellent question and observation from Maximilian, and believe us, we all felt in the film department that that was the biggest miracle of MoMA's entire reopening in October, was that Dorsky agreed to have one of his films digitized. Um, This seemed like the last filmmaker on earth who would allow this to happen, both because of his uh, deep embrace and, and, um, you know, real, eye for the specific nature of of celluloid but also just a mistrust of the quality of of a digital transfer and the fact that we were able to make him happy and he said so (laughs) that he was happy with this transfer gave us um, both great pride but also enthusiasm to continue on this so I would say absolutely yes and you know I think it it will involve working with artists and, and testing their comfort level with how these works are presented but as soon as we have a comfort level, and many experimental filmmakers are very comfortable at this point with digital presentation, uh, online streaming, etc., so I would say the opportunity to see more and more experimental films online will will only increase dramatically in the years to come.
1: I think that Maximilian will be happy about that.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: Another question from Justin, who wants to know what movie not well received at its release. Was a memorable rediscovery for you, and how?
0: Well, one film in particular that I've actually been thinking about and talking about and writing a bit about recently um, is very much in that category, and that's David Lynch's Dune, which even Lynch himself I think to this day does not think of as a successful film, and certainly was not a commercial success when it was first uh, released. It has now, of course, become a cult, a cult film, but actually has spoken to me in quite profound ways. I mean, I've been a fan for, of the film for years and, and, and I'm a huge fan of, of Lynch, of course. And I understand why he has rejected it. I mean, it was a very painful experience to make by all accounts and and certainly not the film he intended to deliver, but it is in a way even with all of its disjointedness and you know obvious kind of intervention by producers who wanted the more Star Wars experience or whatever, it's this crazy fever dream of a film. And I have found um, that science fiction is a wonderful place to to escape these days. You you asked about uh, a work of art that I've been interested in or you know that has really spoken to me in this moment, and I would say. You know, science fiction generally, but but certainly Dune specifically, has been very comforting because it it is all about overcoming fear. First of all, the narrative is really about one young person, one young man, not allowing fear to control his destiny, um, not to control, let fear control his mind. And when so many things are out of control in our lives, finding things that we can find inner strength to control is, I think, a great inspiration, but also just this wild idea of, you know, uh, a life so far beyond and unexpected and adventures yet to come. Um, You know, it's a story of a a young man who thought his, his path was very clear in front of him, and then life gave him unbelievably huge challenges and he created a, a super existence for himself out of something that he never could have dreamed of before uh, those challenges arrived. So maybe a great parable for our time, let's see, but um, certainly that's been one work that um, has unexpectedly re, re uh, or has risen to the top of my list
1: recently. We can send our best wishes to Denis Villeneuve then.
0: Yeah, I mean, Denis is a great t- challenge, and I, I'm sure he's aware that he's remaking yet another cult film. I mean, uh, his Blade Runner is has lots of fans, but um, obviously the original is not to be replaced. And with Dune, he, you know, maybe he has less uh, cult fans to deal with um, than he did with Blade Runner. But I have every confidence in in his ability.
1: Rajendra, thanks again a thousand times for being with us today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Take care and hope to see you soon in flesh. Bye. Be safe. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Art Goes On. If you like what you heard, feel free to follow and share the show on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. Leave a rating or review to help people find the show. Thanks again.